Welcome to The Future State, the show where we take important topics from different industries, dissect them, and look at where they're heading in the future. I'm Nick Walter, CEO of Vortic Art, and I've been building technology companies for the last 12 years, as well as consulting and advising startups and blue chips. Daniel Denhard, former crowdfunding, marketing, and growth exec, currently founder of Focus.Business, the company culture and strategy advisory. I'm a professional coach and mentor, and of course, the co-host of the Future State podcast. This week, we'll be diving into the future state of the high street. Here's why it's interesting. We've seen shops reopening after lockdown and the return of people to the high streets, shopping centers, retail parks, people desperate to get out of the house and back into retail, or so it seems. And we've seen Poundland announce their IPO, which is super interesting because we went for a period previously where the high street was in huge transition and it was actually establishing a new type of high street around things like Poundland shops and cheaper stores that seemed to rejuvenate certain high streets around the country. But the reality is that the high street's been in decline a long time and the pandemic has accelerated the decline of the high street in one report by five years in 12 months the decline is accelerated so we thought it would be a good topic today to look at the high street and the future state should we get kicked off danny i think we should interesting points around the future of the high street is just seeing you know like i i live in london and just seeing how different london is and how quiet a lot of the centre part of London is, so central London, so Oxford Street, such as a bit of a ghost town. A lot of the big stores have shut, so Top Shop obviously sold to ASOS, which is an online competitor. Going more local, I've seen actually more shops open to where I am and in the surrounding area, so there's obviously a push towards local, but one of the really important trends and if we were to break down the typical high street very quickly it would include clothing stores so you probably have a h&m or a new look there's beauty a bakery a betting shop and estate agents there's likely something like a greg's a coffee shop typically a chain now so a starbucks a costa the telltale sign of a high street is usually an argos and then you've got a food, a food shopping you got your fast food, so there's typically a McDonald's, a Burger King or a KFC, a QSR, something like a Five Guys. You got a pharmacy, so they're a chain like Boots or Superdrug and or they typically are quite closely positioned to each other. A department store. And then you got more of the food, uh, more of the pubs and bars. You've typically got a charity shop. Some places like Watford St Albans, Manchester, Birmingham, Liverpool have got nightclubs. You got DIY stores maybe a cinema, and then the DOI stores like B&Q and a market. So a food market is typically something that, that springs up. One thing that sprung to mind when we were talking around topics this week and, and what happened was, is the high street something that's that's valuable anymore? Is it a resource that we that we really need? And if we were to really rethink what the high street is, would it be something that people would invest in and, and companies would pay a lot of money for ground rent and for staff in and staff retention and training so there's a lot of a lot of things to dive into and, and things to consider when it comes to the high street or in the us they call it strip malls so it's, it's stuff like is the high street something that is relevant still and and is there a way that we could probably save it 
So I don't know what your your opinions are, Nick. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of themes that have emerged over COVID and the pandemic, changes in consumer behaviour, a shift to online shopping. It was absolutely amazing that we could still get things in deep, dark lockdown from Amazon kind of any time we wanted and many other retailers that were pumping things out online. Amazon isn't the only one, but, you know, by far the best logistical service, very convenient. Uh, Feel good factor, Um, you know, as part of lockdown, we couldn't get out. Well, we could get out and walk and do things in in social spaces or walk around our local neighbourhoods, but we couldn't do much outside of that. No bars, restaurants, shopping experiences, whatever else. If we look at the psychology of why people purchase items, it's only for two reasons. One is to solve a problem and the other is to feel better. So (laughs) we all found ourselves digging deep, a bit more cash in the bank maybe during lockdown because we're going out less. We might have taken mortgage holidays, rent reductions, whatever it is, we could have had a bit of financial respite. And that has been huge in this acceleration of the high street. And I think it's like in every industry, you know, we talk about a lot of topics here and actually in every industry, COVID has meant that people can take a step back and look at it again and think about what that future state is actually going to be, how we can rebuild, rethink, redesign new consumer behaviours, things that are more modern trends, especially with technology. Technology wasn't around when the high street was first designed and it hasn't changed that much. You've got some cityscapes that have changed or the architecture, um, green space around high streets and things like that have changed. Um, Shops come and go. That's always been the way on the high street. But I think what we're facing now is is a really, really interesting period. I've been talking to a few people who are in this space, either kind of CEOs of big retailers or people that actually sell retail space just to kind of get the vibe there. And there's some, there's some interesting trends. But I thought one of the trends, you know, we mentioned it already, and I think maybe we should quickly dig into it, is because it ties back into one of our previous pods, working remotely in the future of the workplace. And that's city versus local, as you touched on there, and it's home versus work. I think they're two key themes that are starting to really change the landscape here. Certainly, as you mentioned there, cities, Oxford Street in London, for example, footfall is massively down and It's unsurprising in the fact that pretty much if you do not live in central London and the majority of people that probably shop along Oxford Street are home counties who come into either work or shop specifically, no one is really rushing to use public transport at the minute and therefore it's not that accessible and and there has been that pushback to to local shopping centres, high streets, retail parks, which I think is is a lot more convenient. You can travel easily. If you're in towns around outside of cities, generally you're going to have a car. Bus routes are good as well, so taxis available and not long distances to travel in, in, in a lot of cases. So very easy to get to these places, very convenient. Parking can be good or can be a problem, but it's certainly more appealing than big crowded places with tubes that you have to get on or public you know transport systems and the local landscape is fascinating right now if if i was going to 
open a store anywhere i'd want to do a small independent and that's another theme right it's the theme of independence versus chains that's that's another area that's quite interesting here and i think what's what's always problematic in every it doesn't really matter whether you're talking local or city rents is always a problem lease length is always a problem fit costs is always a problem and these are some of the things that I think for me have got to change first and foremost there's got to be more agility in how landlords lease their spaces the spaces themselves have got to be more adaptable and they've got to have more of a community appeal as well. What does the community want to see in these spaces? How can a community help validate the shops, the products, the services that are sold out of these retail spaces to mean that they're almost ensuring that there will be footfall and there will be the ability to run a, a, a successful business because it's actually based on the needs of the surrounding community. I think that's different from the chains, the chains just pop up where they can. And actually, like, a lot of people like change due to the convenience, due to the, if we take restaurants, it's such an easy one to kind of go with. Your typical like Wagamama's, GBK's, like all these type ones. Now, personally, I'd rather go to an independent restaurant where I feel like the chef there, the owner there, love that business. They're putting all of their heart and soul into that business and they're trying to make it work rather than these kind of rinse and repeat passing through I'm a wagamama worker and then I go somewhere else and I don't like it there and it's just like a circuit where you don't really get the craft it feels like you don't get the craft you can't just change a recipe slightly or something like that it's all pretty set and I think that I'd love to see this uprising and it's certainly happening in independent shops and restaurants and see more people, more entrepreneurial business owners, businessmen, women, who really take pride in what they do, understand local communities and what they can bring to it and what local communities want, and start to introduce these, these independent stores more. But it can only happen if landlords and government as well get involved in this, slash expensive rents, the rates are a problem, and like I said, the fit out costs and things like that for smaller businesses, even for bigger businesses. So I was speaking with someone who is involved in getting retail units sold in some very big high profile developments. And even they're having to, because they know the draw of, let's just throw out, like throw a name out there. It's not specific to this scenario, but let's say John Lewis. John Lewis attract huge footfall in town centres, generally in city centres. Um, massive department store, probably the best one that's left because there are many left. So it's probably not hard to be the best. And even John Lewis need to be incentivised. Now, whether that is rate reductions because the person fitting out that retail space needs them in there to pull in footfall. So they offset their costs because it's going to benefit the other sales if they say oh john lewis are in here then other retailers are going to want to get on board or whether it's free fit out of the store there's incentives available for these bigger 
organisations that can pull footfall into locations. But what needs to happen actually is on the independent side, that very community based, there needs to be something happening there where, you know, that something is taken into account to help take down those upfront costs, especially like the business rates and things as well. And I know there's been some government schemes, but we really need to see like a longer term strategy on how to power local business forward in the best way possible from the government. I agree. I think the the one of the essential things is that you said around community and 100% agree, the high street was historically it was built from the 1870s basically to urbanize because people had to travel more had to commute more and they couldn't grow as much uh, food so like the butchers and grocers they were like the prime examples and even they started to think more uh, futuristically and started to deliver food they were there to serve the community i think at the moment one of the, the big issues that we have is that because of the big brands and then a blend of small independence, it doesn't actually serve the community to what they want. And I think that's something that's going to be really important. I know in in and around Farringdon, a lot of the landlords were very deliberate in who they allowed in and who they didn't and how they wanted a blend of independence and, and larger well-known stores. One thing that's uh, really important is we need to we need to think around, is the high street something that we really need and is it offering the, the greatest amount of experiences that people actually want? So historically, you could price haggle. You know, that's kind of stopped with all the big the big chains. And that's come around, I think, it became uh, a meeting place. And it was something to do for, for hours between friends. I don't think that's something that many people, are, or people are doing as much as they used to. And I think that's something that landlords and governments have to really consider is how do you drive footfall so you need the big brands to drive footfall and drive attention but then you need a good blend of independence and i think the high street needs curating and needs crafting it needs it needs people to think around and actively think around the stores that you want and the things that people want in person so experience-based things if it's makeup or clothing or etc it has to be more than has to be more than just going to shop, window shop and disappear. It has to be much more immersive than that. One thing that's really important that a lot of people don't think around is a lot of the big shopping centres took a lot of the big footfall away from the high street. And that's been a you know a big issue. I know like Westfields of the world drive millions and millions of, of footfall in, uh, especially in the UK. And that's most likely taking it away from high streets. So it's great to have these these huge malls and these huge shopping centres, but did actually answer the demand of the community and is it something that people really want? So something that I've uh, often thought around is, did online kill the high street or did shopping malls kill the high street? And is it actually the marketplace's problems? You know, did marketplaces like uh, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, not on a high street and some of the new ones are on by Depop and Vinted did they replace the high street or was it something that was being replaced by Zara H&M and River Island anyway there's a couple of, of things to dive into in that I don't actually think some of the high streets were ready for staffing I think they'd struggle for recruitment and retention 
and because it's seen as a service job unfortunately it's seen as as low expertise so i think locally it's very difficult for some high streets to stay open because it's very difficult to hire the expertise or have the trust in a local community to to be able to fulfill the requirements of that store well this is where i always like to think on that last point of low expertise you know i remember from my time in america service-based jobs are less stigmatized in terms of the earning potential is quite high so there's no real kind of shame in they view it totally differently in the states to have kind of service-based jobs you're you're earning really good money sometimes better money than you would in an office job being a waitress with tips or bartender with tips whatever it would be and in the u.s totally different stigma attached to it and i think here it's always been the valued from an employer perspective they've driven down minimum wage kind of jobs in retail and it's always been yeah the training's not sufficient they don't really do a lot to instill like pride in the work that people are doing and people are feel undervalued because they're not rewarded adequately for the job they're doing but it's a difficult job you've got a lot of things going on you've got customer service you've got high levels of service which is going to be the new trend really if to go along with I totally agree on the experiential side and what does that come down to that comes down to product experts high levels of customer service more concierge or personal shopping feel to things and we delve into that a little bit more in a sec we need to reimagine and, and retailers need to look at their staffing and really think about how they can make it more appealing to a wider base of audience there was a really great thing that gap did and it's so simple but it was so effective with their workforce gap introduced an app that allowed their shift workers basically in stores to say they couldn't work certain shifts and swap with other people and put their shifts up for claim on a mobile app revolutionary but this only just happened but it's made a huge difference to the happiness of workers because they can manage their shift patterns a lot easier they don't feel as stressed trying to swap with people there's almost like a marketplace where you can list your shift and people can claim it or you can easily swap with people and it's just a real uh, convenient thing in how tech has helped the quality of that that work-life balance and work planning for people at, at the gap so something like that you think oh my god like no brainer but people aren't doing it and it's that investment into staff i think from retailers but the problem is what we've got now is that's become harder than ever because margins are so squeezed and margins are squeezed by the fact that anybody that is an online only can increase that margin you've got logistical costs but you haven't got rates shop rents huge staffing costs on on shops you haven't got um insurances all of the things that go with it to consider so it's very very difficult for retailers now and i think there is a place for retail on the high street with some big players the key now is what is that experience of shopping and there was always classic reasons to go shopping i remember probably we're similar age when we were growing up you'd arrange to meet your mate in the local shopping center when you're like 13 14 years old if someone's late you have to go find a payphone and ring their house and then they're probably not there anyway and you're like do i leave this spot that i've waited for with an hour where we agreed to meet because pre-mobile phones so you just <laughs> didn't know what to do but you'd meet your mates there you'd walk around the shopping center mums and daughters going on shopping trips like families going on shopping trips like there were, there were quite a few reasons to go to the shopping center and it was free it was a 
something to do to pass the time, you had impulse buys as well, right? And you don't get the same impulse buys online unless it's driven by online advertising like in Instagram or something like that. So it grabs your attention, you end up clicking through and buying it. Like if you've got disposable income to do that. But impulse buys are huge in physical retail. But that experience needs to become something more. There's so many options now that people can do where we were hanging out at shopping centers because our options were limited. It was hang out in a shopping center, go to the local leisure center, or go play on a field somewhere, play a bit of football, or knock around like your local neighbourhood. Now there's all sorts going on. Like, don't get me wrong, everything costs. Near us, there's an indoor electric go-kart, indoor karting centre that's just opened, using some big retail units that went out of business. I think, you know, John Lewis cottoned on to the fact that they could reduce their number of stores, focus on the more profitable stores in the kind of high footfall good disposable income areas and then they started to sell other stores off for for affordable housing and development so there's lots and lots of change in the air and and there's been some other nice things as well that i've seen actually around fun engaging things to bring people to or, or or another reason to go to to a shopping location and that was art so there was a huge installation uh, on oxford street actually of it's a big digital installation huge screens um that where things could be displayed on a little bit it could be like like whales jumping out of the the screen towards you or piccadilly circus style but actually wrapped around a whole building but it actually had more purpose it was actually art exhibitions were being shown on these these big digital installations and and it's a photo opportunity it's a social opportunity to say you've been there to capture a photo it's another reason to be in those spaces and there's that mixture of retail and leisure um and and it's really finding that mix of what works and I think multi-purpose is the way forward. And I think the other thing is that retailers are going to have to come together. So everybody wants the whales, like the people that attract the big footfall. And if you're a brand that doesn't attract big footfall, how can you offer to a retailer that does attract big footfall, like a new type of concession? It's almost like a department store like brands within a department store in a slightly different way. So if you're a John Lewis and you get X amount of thousands of people through your doors every day, what aren't John Lewis doing so well that they could get outside good brands that have synergy and alignment into stores to strengthen their proposition? And obviously those other brands benefit from the fact they're then aligned with John Lewis and they get the footfall. So I can see more things like that. These big players starting to come together, you know, and I'm covering a lot of bases. <laughs> but what's the department store of the future? You know, I mean, you could argue that's the shopping centre. But if it was in one multi-level building, would Nike be your sports apparel? Would Decathlon be your sports equipment? Would Apple be your electricals? would made.com be your homeware like how would how can brands work together for their own survival if they want to exist in physical retail space rather than just purely online and i think there is people do want to do it i think there's there's a place for it but it's finding out what that what that recipe is that uh, ties in nicely actually we got a listener question from simon swan it's around 
the role of the high street within multi-channel retailer plans. And his question is, how could retailers use their online and high street presence to support one another? So is it adopting high street presence to pop-up stores, last mile delivery, customer service? What I'll give you my quick take on it and then we'll get yours and we'll jump into the the future state of. But I think your sort of phrasing nailed it for me. I think it is how the big department stores work with D2C brands and how do they, they drive more uh, interest in, in both brands. So it's like a collaboration part of it. I think one of the important things for a lot of the online stores is how do you marry the two worlds together? So I think actually, if you go to store, then they'll deliver it really quickly to you. I know that essentially that's what Peloton really wanted to do. And I think that's a really good use case for a lot of people is they're online, they traditionally buy via online. They went in, they went on the high street and they were very strategic in where they put their placements. So they're a good, good use case to answer, to really answer Simon's question is, I think exactly you have to you have to do the experiment experimental things in store. You have to give an example to see the product, and then I think you have to deliver it and offer really localized customer support. So if you're not getting the person on the live chat or the phone, is how do you get someone in person to help you? And I think that's where stores really have to to own it. What do you think? Same. I, I, I just think that there's a place in that multi-channel strategy. I think it all depends on what your brand is and what you're selling. Like I think Peloton's a really nice example of a new product that comes out. A lot of people would have been on the spin bike before, but that's not really what they're selling. They're selling the experience, how the classes can change your life. You've got to almost buy into the Peloton brand, look at the quality of the bike. It's at a high price point, like your purchase decision slightly different because of the price point. So there's certain things where it's either price point dictated, maybe product complexity dictated. Like a, a really interesting example of this, I think, is TVs. TVs, everybody's used to now. There's not a ton of innovation in the space. Things come out, things come and go. Like we're increasing resolution all the time, but not a ton of stuff changes. Picture quality is key, but the amount of times that you could buy a TV from Amazon versus going to a local store to see it, like a Curry's, for example. Like I think those, that's a shift where you're happy as happy buying online with a good deal as you are going to a store to see it because the differences aren't that much. You just want to know how big it is, what resolution it is, and you can read reviews online. And that's the other thing that's changed is reading reviews online, as well as the price point for a TV becoming more and more affordable. So I think it really depends on what you're selling. I think that I totally agree on the expertise level. This is for me what it's all about. It's that experience of not quite knowing, going somewhere and getting a really good a really good service, a really good level of recommendations or knowledge of product that you're not getting online, that is not coming to life online. Like when do you ever go online and shop and have an experience in inverted commas? Like, yes, we can have nice user journeys and easy one-click purchase and things like that. But when are you having an experience that sticks with you? very very rarely and i think that's what online struggles and i'm in <laughs> i'm in with my day job in the game of creating online experiences through art and people visiting exhibitions like we want it to be impactful we want it to be long lasting and 
that kind of experience economy is something I think that that has to grow within retail. And I think you know beauty you touched on there. And I've been speaking to to a couple of well, been speaking to a beauty retailer CEO, and I know very very well. And it is about like what are those moments in store where their staff become incredibly powerful in terms of I don't know what to do with my makeup. I've got a skin condition. If you're looking for skincare beauty. Like you want to go to a store, get an expert to sort you out with your products. You know that expert's there for you if you change your mind or if you need something else in future. And you can have a real experience. And that could be it could be something that you go back to. I was speaking to my sister at the weekend and, you know, she used to love going and getting her hair done. So she's got a wedding. She goes and gets her hair done at a local hairdressers and then she goes to a local uh, store that offers beauty and they do her makeup for her ahead of the wedding so doesn't want to do it herself so what they got to home in on is like what are these moments that make sense what are the products that make sense and then I think there is that whole it's up to the retailers to innovate that space and then I think it's up to the landlords to create high streets of value and purpose and and I think that's the other thing as well. No one wants to support a Philip Green. No one wants to do it. From a from a philosophy perspective, an ethics perspective, like why would you want to support a brand where you have someone like Philip Green behind it? You just don't. There's more questions arising all the time in terms of our purchasing habits and our ethical decisions around sustainability, around carbon footprint, fast fashion, that the impacts of fast fashion on the environment. And that's also a big consideration in the landscape here. So I think there's there's a lot more we could delve into in future pods around the kind of sustainability angle as well and actually how that affects cityscapes, high streets, town centres. This is probably a, a good place to do the future state of the high street slash retail. Um, I'll dive in quickly this week. So I think that you have to follow the trends. So with Google's big investment into New York, into their first ever store, I think it's a prime example of, of this isn't going away. This is actually a really big brand extension for big brands. I think that Amazon see it as a vital brand extension. So they're known as online only. They have to be a physical space for them. Not only is it um, Whole Foods, but it's their go stores. You see that they've got four cashierless stores now in, in London already, and they've popped up in two months. So I think they're essential. It's, it's tech first, but it's showing you that you can connect with the brand. I think, as we raised earlier, Peloton have, have a brilliant strategy, and they're only going to have to double down on it. Apple were the first in the originals, really, to, to dive this being a home and hub for people. The other couple of uh, really important bits is, I think there's one state, need state, and action state. I think people might want something, but they're only 10% likely to buy something until they go and feel it and touch it, often in store. There's a need state when you really need something, but you're only 50 to 70% likely to, to buy it, but it's the brand or the connection that, that gives you, that opens the wallet or purse. And then I think there's an action state, and I think that gets unlocked more and more when you're in person. To go a little bit further, I think we're going to see a bit like dark kitchens. I think we're going to see a lot of dark stores and they're going to be experience only. And that's where it's going to be offline to online to offline again. I think people will do a lot of research. You mentioned it in previous pods before, Nick, is around how you do a lot of research uh, and then you go offline, you pick an item. I think actually you're going to be booking in 
sessions and experiences in. And that means it's either an experience you're either picking up, so curbside if you're in the US, and then like a click, uh, click and collect uh, type of experience. So you could probably try and use it first. And some of the gaming aspects is really important. Dark Souls experiences are going to be visual, audio, it'll be touch-based and taste-based. It has to be deeper than 3D, it kind of has to be 4D. So you can't buy uh, Aftershave through, the web, through a website because you can't smell it. So I think there's going to be those types of bundles, that, that bundling things that happen. I think it'd be super localised. I think it'll be um, a local experience with a delivery element. I don't think it's just a pop in and collect or pop in and buy. I think there will be a, a delivery element of it to make it as convenient as online. The area that I'm most interested in is experience versus price versus convenience. People crave experiences, like we said. I think something that improves your experience has to be at the right price. But convenience can replace a brilliant service. But if a brilliant service is there and you don't know it's cheaper online, you're always going to do it in person. And I think there's this huge generational shift between people that are happy to buy online and people that want to buy in person and have that connection. And I think there's uh, been able to, to offer deals to fewer people and it being hyper-personalised. So like you get online, I think in-store, they're going to have to start offering it. So if you essentially, if you swipe in or you scan a QR code, they could essentially offer you the same experience as they do online with discounts, or they could actually craft the even, even better experience. The red rope treatment is essential, especially in luxury, and people don't necessarily want to be crammed in like they used to in stores. So I think there's a safety element of it. One thing that we flirted with very quickly is co-working and I think there'll be a smaller approach to WeWorks locally and I think it has to be done in commuter towns. Regist is really well placed, they're typically near a train station but that's really important. I think leveraging pubs and bars that are shut or have multiple levels that aren't used is going to be one of the most important areas. And then I think you can blend offline and online together and I think you can understand Cut that CAC and and ROI and lifetime value or all those types of things they're going to be essential. And then one thing I would would double down on if I was a really big company is how do you bring in the local into your into your store or into your your bigger department store that generates more footfall for them, but that that supports yourself as well and improve the high street and improve everyone's local experience because we're seeing it more and more. I think tech can kill the high street if they really wanted to. So I think Apple could do it with screenshots. If you were if you went out, took a picture, why would you want to download that app from H&M or, or whoever? Why wouldn't you take a picture and Apple could then connect into those stores if, or Google could? I think there's a way that these big tech companies could be very mon- monopolistic in their approach, but I don't think that will happen for a few years. What's yours, Nick? So you've taken some of mine. No, I'm <laughs> um, only joking. But I think, uh, so the future state for me of, of the high street and retail is going to be personalised retail experiences that are available to all. So whereas like personal shopping and things used to be only your high rollers at places like Westfield who did the Richard gear, uh, I want to spend obscene amounts of money. 
um, it can be more available to all. And I think technology can have its play in that as well. For example, it's tailored around like shopping needs and shopping states. I'm going to a wedding and I need to I need a new outfit and I want to try it on. Like how can we use technology to to help those use cases? I think retail needs to double down on its strengths. So immediacy, the fact that people can try things on, the service levels getting tailored help and advice and the experience that can be provided by by people in shop and also the sense base that you mentioned there, taste, touch, smell audio, how can things play more of a part in the overall experience? As I mentioned earlier, retailers come in to work together to create new shopping experiences that are slightly curated by landlords and shopping centres or, you know, high street landlords who own multiple units. But it's really about brands that have synergy with one another, knowing that they might be stronger together and a shift to being more open to that. Um, you know, if someone, if a brand doesn't do something well, who does? And can you add that to attract more footfall and give a higher level of product and service? I think the understanding of customer data when it comes to footfall online and offline is key. There's so many in past years loyalty scheme providers that have millions of people in their loyalty schemes that do not know anything about the data outside of name, address, date of birth. Like they were not mapping shopping patterns. They weren't really looking at any of the data to understand the customer in a better way and how that can transfer to physical and and digital. I think there's gonna be a growth in multi-purpose centers. So that's old retail turning into housing, more leisure, more dining and drinking opportunities, sitting alongside your traditional retail and also co-working spaces. I think these centres are going to become a real mashup of everything. And I think it's, um, it's really based around like themes. So themes for areas like this or for shopping. So things where all sustainable products from furniture to fashion, places that people can buy into a philosophy and a, and something that really aligns with their own personal preferences and ethics and i think that's important as well more agility and flexibility is needed in physical spaces uh, landlords need to be more open to different funding models and different government levels of support as well to really stimulate these centers where people can go meet and yeah congregate and shop and live and work um and there's no better time i see a real boom in independent stores if they can get the landlord part right and the cost part right but stores that have real craft and you're shopping local and supporting local but the stores that are opening are connected with the communities they know what the community wants they understand the surrounding areas and attitudes and i think there's there's a lot of scope in that um arts culture leisure being the heart of high street experiences they need to be nice fun cool places to hang out like people want to go there. There's something new popping up, something new happening. Like they've tried it with like flash mobs dancing in a shopping center or something, but it needs to be more than that. It needs to be more meaningful. It needs to be more exciting because it will attract families. If there's a lot of stuff going on, it will attract Gen Z if there's exciting pop-ups happening that are in line with their values. Um, I think the high streets need to become more greener and solve issues around traffic, parking, pollution as well. You know, as the byproduct of driving people to certain locations, you will get this, you know, basically you're encouraging people to be in their cars more, to be on the roads more, 
you've got traffic congestion issues and all of these other things. So I think that needs to be thought about as well. Multi-purpose office and retail. So like how could my business have its own shop front and then have a coffee shop attached to it that's independent and some kind of cool workshops going on and different things. So how can we reimagine these spaces that are already existing? It's a bright future. Yeah, it's exciting. I'd love to be in this space, actually. I think if you could actually go at it with a blank sheet of paper and and, and see what you can do. And I think it, it's really going to depend on everybody coming together to save, in inverted commas, the, the high street or shopping centres or whatever. I think if, if everybody can come together, retailers, landlords, local councils, governments, and reimagine what it could be, I think it's a bright future. Thanks for listening to this week's The Future State of the High Street. You can go to thefuturestate.co.uk for the full uh, listings and full transcript of it, and you can subscribe directly there. Alternatively, please do subscribe and leave us a review. Five stars help us 